Well, hello, everyone. It's Craig Valentine calling from TurbulenceTraining.com. And with you on the call this week to give you another seven days of fat burning, going to show you how to get more done in less time. This is great for trainers and great for everybody who needs to get more results in less time. And this goes for everything in their life. So I just got back from Panama, Panama City, Panama, not Panama City, Florida, but uh, the country of Panama. Had a great time there. Beautiful people, beautiful weather, and some great food I'll talk about in a second. Now, unfortunately, I always tend to go on these trips and never take any photos, even though I take my camera. So I apologize that I have only words and no photos. But uh, I do want to say on the bright side, I finished up the Turbulence Training, Turbulence Training Beginner Total Torso Training 2011 program. So this is a follow-up to the January 2010 program that was also called Total, Total Torso Training. And it's uh, for beginners to lose belly fat and make sure their abdominals and their low back are healthy and safe. And so I highly recommend that program for beginners. Now, that said, back to Panama stuff. Every morning when I was there, I would wake up and sometimes go to the gym there and sometimes go to this workout place called Power Club, which is very similar to Gold's Gym, and it was full of beautiful Panamanian girls. So it was great. And then I would have an amazing breakfast at the hotel. I had an omelet, and they would bring this giant fruit plate with a full banana, big chunks of watermelon, honeydew melon, and pineapple, and strawberries. So I was spoiled when I was there in Panama, and the hotel was called the Hotel Ryu, R-I-U. So if you're looking for a place to stay, it's pretty darn good. The gym is a little small and crowded and only has machines and no free weights, so it's very limited. But... uh 15-minute walk away is that Power Club gym, which I really enjoyed. But I'm home this weekend, and then next weekend I'm off to Cleveland, which is a little bit different than Panama, but uh, going down there for some business seminar, and it should be fun. And then finally, I just want to mention that on uh, when I travel, I always get to meet these amazing people. And so I sat beside this guy on the flight to Panama who is a really great guy, and he owns 175 physical therapy centers. Very, very interesting. He's creating massive value for his clients and his 4,100 employees. And he uh, has a pr- had a pretty cool life, and he's owned, told me he owned eight Ferraris over the course of his life. But even more important, he told me this great story about how he's adopted two children from orphanages in Russia. And uh, I share that with you just to show that there's a lot of great people out there, and uh, it's always a good kick in the butt to hear about other people helping people and building value. And I always wonder, after I speak with them, it makes me think, what can I do to make things a little better? So that's a little bit off from fat loss, but I think it's a great point to lead off into our call. So let's get into Monday, February 28th, and our transformation tip of the week, which is a quote from Steve Jobs. And I posted this on my Facebook page, and, and a lot of people really like this one. And he said, Steve Jobs said, your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped. Don't be living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of other people's opinions drown out your inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. So, nice little quote from Steve, and like I said, many, many people on the Terminal Strength Facebook page like that. So make sure you join us on Facebook. For even more quotes and lots of Q&As we've been doing recently. Now into our workout of the week, and this is the third workout from my four-day program that I'm currently doing, and I actually just did this workout this morning, a couple hours ago, before doing this call. 
And it starts with another big body weight warm-up. So 2011, I've really added these extra exercises to my body weight uh, warm-ups prior to my workouts. And you're going to see that in the, the Turbulence Training Programs in this new beginner program and in one coming out in March called Turbulence Training Switch, where I really switch things up. And you're going to like that one a lot. So today I did jumping jacks, body weight squats. I did... Um, a glute squeeze, that's an exercise where you just hold the top of the hip extension. I did a plank, I did a bird dog, I did leg swings, I did side plank, and I did some jumping, uh, more jumping jacks. And then I think went through a couple of those exercises. Second time I did 100 repetitions of band pulls, and then I moved on into the real workout, which was power cleans, five sets of three. Then rack pulls, I did three sets of three to five repetitions, so pretty heavy. Then I did glute ham raise for three sets of six to eight. And then I did ab wheel rollout and one leg calf raise. And that was it for today's workout. So it was more heavy, lower volume stuff uh, you know, to improve my deadlifting. Unfortunately, my grip strength was a little weak. And I believe it was a strength coach named Buddy Morris who said that if you notice that your grip strength is weak, you may be training too much. And so I'm going to try and uh, take it pretty easy for the weekend and may have to dial it down next week. We'll do the grip strength, grip strength testing. You know, when I do my first exercise of rowing on Monday, I will decide whether I need to scale it back. Now let's move into Tuesday and our research review of the week. This comes from the European Journal of Applied Physiology, and the title is Nutrient Provision Increases Signaling and Protein Synthesis in Human Skeletal Muscle After Repeated Sprints. And so I get a lot of questions from people asking me, well, what should I eat after sprint training? And, well, to be honest with you, this isn't a fat loss study, so you can't really take these results and apply them to your fat loss program. But if you're an athlete and you're doing sprint training, generally the same post-workout rules apply. You want to have protein and carbohydrate. And so that's what they did in this study is they had, uh, it was Australian researchers, and they had eight young guys do two different sprint workouts. And the sprint workouts were a little bit different. They were only six-second sprints, and they had a minute, or sorry, 54 seconds of recovery. So it ended up being ten minute, a 10-minute workout, but only one minute of total exercise. And then they gave them, actually before training, they gave them 24 grams of whey protein and 50 grams of maltodextrin. And the other time they worked out, they got a placebo, which didn't have any calories but tasted the same. And so there was no differences in performance, but the muscle recovery was greater after the nutrient ingestion, which isn't necessarily any rocket science to anybody, but it does prove that even pre-workout protein carbohydrates is going to help, especially athletes who are interested in this type of stuff, you know, train on as much food as possible and then eat or, you know, consume these the protein and cal uh, carbohydrates in liquid form right after high-intensity sprint exercise, and that will help recovery. So... Again, nothing new. We know this from interval training and endurance training and all that type of stuff, but that was one of the first ones I've seen in sprint training. All right, into Wednesday, another workout. This is a bodyweight workout, and I did this one in Panama with some substitutions. I didn't have a chin-up bar because I was training at the hotel, but I did do some pull-downs instead. So, again, starting with an upper body warm-up of uh, WYs and Ts. Those are mobility exercises for the upper back. I didn't have any tubing, so I couldn't do the band pulls, but I did uh, some T push-ups as my warm-up there and a little bit of lower body stuff as well. Then I got into the first superset, which was 100 push-ups 
in as few sets as possible paired with uh, pull-downs, so overhand grip pull-downs. And then I did close grip push-ups because I didn't have dips, which I wanted to do. And then I did that with underhand grip pull-downs. And then I did some seated rowing and I did some tricep push-downs. So I guess none of the exercises there were, well, very few of them were body weight. But what I wanted to do was push-ups and pull-ups in a superset, then dips and chin-ups in a superset, and then body weight rows and body weight tricep extensions in a superset. So I'll do that tomorrow, actually, because I'm home here and have access to a gym with a pull-up bar. Now it's time to move into our how to get more done section of the call. And this is for our trainer Thursday tip, but it's really a great tip for everybody. And, and I did this when I was a trainer, and I did, you know, I do this actually once or twice a year. And it's an exercise that allows you to find out where, you know, things are wasting your time and where you're better at getting things done. And it allows you to structure your day so you get the most done possible. So the, the little tip is keep a notebook with you for a couple days. And write down exactly what you're doing for every 15 minutes. So in every 15-minute block, write down what you're doing. I want you to do this every day for at least three days. So it's very similar to a food journal, and we know that food journals work. And these time journals help you identify where you're wasting your time. So, for example, let's say after an hour you've been at work, you start surfing websites. Well, if you write that down, you'll notice that. And then you'll be able to plan and have two solutions. Maybe you can say, instead of surfing the net, I'll make my phone calls at 10 o'clock. Or maybe you find that you get a lot of work done early before people start interrupting you. And maybe you can structure your day so you go to work even earlier and leave earlier. Because another thing, in addition to finding all the screw-ups, you'll also find the time of day when you're most productive. And you want to leverage that time of day and that environment when you're most productive so that you're getting more work done when you can. So perhaps you get work done between 11 and 1 o'clock. Well, then you're going to want to move your lunchtime or not make sure that you don't schedule lunch meetings so that you get more work done. It's very, very simple. But the biggest thing you're going to find is where you're wasting your time. And so identify those problems and come up with a solution to every obstacle. Once those are identified, you have to make sure that your daily plan keeps those obstacles from coming back up and it keeps your maximum productivity times free for accomplishment. So by making those two changes, overcoming the, the loop where you start checking the Internet and identifying peak performance times, you should double the amount of work you get done every day. All right, let's move into Facebook Friday. Question from Amanda Taylor Mitchell over on TurbulenceTrainingFanPage.com where we do our Q&A. She says, I can't quite get the full range of motion on Spider-Man push-ups. Should I only go halfway, or should I combine regular push-ups with Spider-Man climbs? And it's a great question. I really like how she came up with that alternative. And so my first choice would actually be for her to set up a Smith machine or even do push-ups on a bench so they're a little bit easier. So instead of being flat, now you have your upper body elevated, and so you don't have as much uh, gravity uh, mass to work against on uh, to push up against gravity. And so if you use that Smith machine at hip height or you use your hands on a bench and you can do the Spider-Man push-ups that way, it'll be a little bit easier and you'll be able to get that full range of motion. And then each week you can try and do the exercise at a lower notch on the Smith machine. Now, if you don't train at a gym and you don't have access to the Smith machine, my second choice would be doing the push-ups paired with the Spider-Man climb. So one push-up, one Spider-Man climb, and as you get stronger, you'll improve. Our second question comes from Novan, and his question is high bar versus low bar squatting. Do you have a preference and does it matter in the long run? 
And it's another great question. And the variations are actually quite different. The low bar position, so when you squat in a powerlifting type squat, with uh, you're going to have your feet a little bit wider and you're going to have your shoulder blades really pulled together and you're going to have the bar rolled down a little bit on your upper back. It's not very comfortable, but it's how you lift the most weight. And so it shifts your center of gravity to the rear, backwards, and it's used by power lifters to lift heavier weight. And it works the muscles at the back of the body more, your glutes and hamstrings, and your low back muscles, but it puts more stress on the low back and lumbar spine. So one research study that I saw compared the high bar and low bar squat, and if you push your hips back, you get more stress on the, on the low, low back, and that's associated with having the low bar squat. Now, the high bar position, where it's sitting at the base of your neck, right on the top of your traps there, that's going to result in you pushing your hips back less, and it's going to shift your center of gravity forward, and it's better for bodybuilding for your quadriceps. You're going to have a, a narrower stance, but it does put more stress on the knee joint. So now you move the stress forward on the body, and so the knee joint takes more of the stress, but the lower back takes less stress. Whereas with the low bar squat, your knees take less stress. So that's what you need to consider. Great questions. Please ask yours at the TurbulenceTrainingFanPage.com. We're, we're doing Q&As pretty regularly again. All right. Into Social Support Saturday, 30 minutes of fun activity. And I had a question from Men's Health Editor the other day. And so he asked me about, you know, social support and all that type of stuff and training with a partner, you know, if this is really as important as some people make it out to be, and I believe it is. In fact, I told him that research has shown that if you work out with someone who's getting the same results that you want to get, then you have a better chance of success. Again, the key is that your workout partner is getting results, not just wanting results. So you want to cherry pick someone in the gym who, who can train at your times and who you know is getting results. And we see this all the time in sports. You know, you see a bottom-dwelling team will play the first-place team and we'll beat them. But the next week, they play another bad team, and they get crushed by the bad team. So we play up to our level. And so if a guy wants to improve his bench press, his best bet is to go and train with guys who are stronger than him, who will challenge him. If he trains with a guy who has the same or less bench press, he won't raise his standards. Training environment is key. Even in individual sport, Olympians rarely have ever trained by themselves, and even the endurance guys. You know, they have training partners. They have coaches. They train in groups. And the strongest guys in the world, those who lift at Westside Barbell in Columbus, Ohio, I mean, they're one group of some of the strongest guys in the world. They train in groups. They don't train on their own when they're training to get really strong. You know, if they're in the off-season, they might train on their own. The group pushes them to another level. There are very, very few people who can push themselves to the same limit on their own. Now, one last thing I'll say is a lot of guys will say they push themselves harder when they train on their own. But that's just not the truth. You really probably will train better when you're training with the right partner. And now finally, we're going to move into Sunday plan, shop, and prepare day, 30 minutes of activity, of course. And we have some information on organic fruits and vegetables and which fruits and vegetables you don't necessarily need to buy organically. And this comes from drwhale.com. And here's what they did, or what they found was a, a research group looked at the looked at 43 different fruit and vegetable categories in the guide to pesticides and they found 12 foods that had the lowest pesticide load when grown conventionally so you know the kind of stuff you can get in your store 
And so basically, these are the safest conventional grown crops to consume. These crops have the fewest pesticides. So broccoli, eggplant, cabbage, banana, kiwi, asparagus, sweet peas, mango, pineapple, sweet corn, avocado, and onion. Now, a lot of those have peels and therefore are protected from some of the pesticides. But, you know, stuff like apples where you eat the peel, those are almost always best organic. All right, so hopefully that helps you out if you consume those foods. You may not necessarily have to consume organic to get rid of the pesticides, and hopefully that will save you some money. All right, so that's it for this week's call. Next week, I'm going to bring a workout challenge to you, and I'm going to give you the truth about grass-fed beef and fat loss. It's going to be a bit surprising to people. And our nutrition section is going to cover liquid calories and fat loss. So next week, I'm going to have some more great stuff for you. Until then, I want to wish you seven days of getting more done and losing more belly fat and having an amazing week. So thanks, everybody, for being on the call. I really appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.